Well, the, the main gist of that problem, which is so, so prevalent in, in the influencer marketing community, is that people are not getting paid for the usage rights that they are giving away. Hi, I'm Tori Mystic, and you're listening to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast, the only show dedicated to supporting women in all areas of the pet industry. On this episode of the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast, we are digging into the first quarter theme of making more money in your pet business. To get us started in this theme, I'm excited to share a conversation with Kara Conway-Love. Kara brings to the table her wide-ranging expertise in the legal world, content creation, and entrepreneurship. As we explore topics like maximizing earnings, negotiating partnerships as pet influencers or content creators, and avoiding legal pitfalls, Kara's expertise shines through. You will find that our conversation offers helpful perspectives for creators and entrepreneurs. One important area that we touch on is usage rights. This is something that I think affects all of us in today's multimedia climate, and it is a common clause on almost every contract that you negotiate. Kara shares some great insights on how to negotiate your usage rights to maximize the profitability of your partnerships. She has some really great tips on that. Lastly, Kara provides expert guidance on how to protect your finances as a business owner and whether or not you should consider forming an LLC to do so. There is a lot of actionable advice and valuable takeaways in this episode. If you want to go deeper and hear the action steps that I would recommend taking after talking with Kara, please check out the bonus solo episode that will be released on the Wear, Wag, Repeat Society secret podcast. That's right. I have a secret podcast that is only available as an exclusive bonus to Wear, Wag, Repeat Society members. You can join us today at wearwagrepeat.com slash society. In addition to the secret podcast, you will also gain access to our monthly lessons. Our Q1 theme is money, baby. That's right. We want to make lots of money in our pet businesses, right? So in Q1, we are focusing on profitability, some accounting tips with a profit first certified accountant, plus how to leverage your money to make more of an impact for animal nonprofits, which I know is a cause that is close to many of our hearts. We'll be exploring all of those topics, plus working in our own mastermind groups every single month. So I hope that you will consider joining us. Again, it is wherewagrepeat.com slash society. Okay, now let's get on to my interview with Kara. Kara Conway-Love is the go-to expert at the constantly changing intersection of legal, business, and social media for creators and entrepreneurs. She empowers creators, influencers, and entrepreneurs by providing savvy advice to protect and grow their brands. With over 30 years of experience as a business lawyer, Kara has combined her legal expertise with her experience as a creator, author, public speaker, and a former college business professor to guide others along their journey. 
In 2022, Kara founded the Business Network Hub membership to help women successfully navigate legal business and social media challenges to grow their brands. She also offers legal contract templates, one-on-one coaching, and online courses to help creators and brands make more money. You also might remember Kara from Dog Like Me, an initiative that she launched in 2018 to build a community of dog influencers around the world. On top of all of this, she manages her dog's lifestyle account at Walter Duffy Dog, where she documents their visits to local hospitals and schools to spread Walter's magic as a certified therapy dog team. Hi, Kara. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Tori. That, that's a lot of information about me. You're very <laughs> busy. <laughs> I think I, I'm very busy just listening to how busy I am. <laughs> Well, I'm really excited to have you here and to bring all of your expertise. I I have been following you since the Dog Like Me account started, and I know you as, you know, sharing a lot of stuff about influencers and really this community over competition supporting each other, which I love. And I didn't realize for a long time that you're also a lawyer and have so many years of experience on that side of things. Yeah, I, um, that's one of the reasons why I started the separate sort of professional personal brand, because um, I'm sure you can understand, like, you can only only say, oh, your dog is so cute so many times. And I, and with dog like me and Walter's account, I've met so many amazing people like you. And, and I love the community aspect of it. But part of me felt like I was wasting all of my legal experience, because I've been working with small business, big business, you know, and entrepreneurs for over 30 years. So I wanted to find a way to combine all that and use my social media experience to help other people, mostly women, um, you know, in business or influencers who have you know so much potential, but might not necessarily understand the legal landscape of things. So that's what I really love doing. And I've kind of found this niche where I have the social media background and I can use my legal experience. So I'm really excited to be where I am right now. Yeah, I, I think it's a wonderful way to combine your passions and, and your experiences and skills. And you touch on something too, where it's like, you know, our accounts like aren't, or they're more than just saying like, oh, what a cute dog. We're not just like cute dog mm-hmm. accounts anymore. Um, yeah. What's kind of happened whether it's by accident or on purpose, is so many influencers and content creators have become entrepreneurs and business owners. And a lot of times they sort of fell into it. So there's all this legal stuff that they were not prepared or didn't realize (laughs) that it was going to involve, right? Absolutely. I I think that people have gained success in sort of like when reels were ramping up and everybody was hitting, you know, these huge numbers on their reels with great reach. And then all of a sudden they were getting brand deal opportunities or, or other, other, you know, making business opportunities for themselves and they don't know what to do with it because they don't even have a business background at all. So I, I really think there's still so much need for that, even with small creators who haven't had you know viral success and that kind of thing, because as you know, Brands are interested in working with small creators as well. So there is a place for everybody in this monetization opportunity that that is just sitting there. And even though there's, you know, tons of dogs and tons of other creators, there still is room because people are still making money doing it. Well, and that's exactly what we're here to talk about today is making money. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing home the bacon. Oh. Right. Yeah. There's ways to do it and there's ways not to do it. And there's ways to get in trouble doing it and, you know, ways to make it better and more profitable. So I'm excited to talk about all that. Great. So I think maybe a good kind of starting jumping off point is, um, you know, how, how can, how are content creators often leaving money on the table um, with their contracts? You know, it, it, maybe they've had some contracts or maybe they're about to get their first one, or maybe they've even been doing this for years and just kind of blindly mm -hmm. signing things. Um, how mm -hmm. are people, you know, leaving a lot of money on the table in those situations? Well, the, the main gist of that problem, which is so, so prevalent in, in the influencer marketing community, is that people are not getting paid for the usage rights that they are giving away. And let me just take a step back and, and quickly explain the difference between usage rights and ownership rights. So whenever we create something, whether it's a post or something we write or whatever, we own the copyright. We have ownership of that, even if we don't file a copyright. So that's called intellectual property. And when you own everything you create, if you sell that right outright to a brand, let's say, that's transferring your intellectual property rights. But if you keep the ownership of your rights in that content, whether it's a video or an audio or a photograph, you have the ability to license out those usage rights. In other words, to give a brand the right to, to use your content for their purposes. And what usage rights are, are specifying how, when, and where a brand can use your content and, you know, for how long, what formats they can put it in, what, and I want to talk a little bit about paid advertising versus organic. Um, and, and basically, you know, when do those rights expire, if at all, because a lot of times they don't. Yeah, that's something I see all the time is, and I, I think a lot of people who are just getting started don't even know this term, but signing away your rights in perpetuity is yeah. the biggest red flag. Perpetuity is a dirty word. Yeah, we don't like that. No, I, I, I wish I could just do like a word search for that and just delete all of those offers um, or renegotiate. Right, right, right up there with irrevocable. Perpetuity and irrevocable are both dirty words. We don't right. Because like theoretically, if I sign away the rights to some photos I create for a brand in perpetuity across all mediums and platforms and usages, mm -hmm. that means that long after I die, they could be using my pictures to advertise their products. Yep. And that doesn't, Absolutely. that makes me very uncomfortable. And you don't get paid for it because you gave it away and you can't that, you know, so a typical, really, really broad usage rights clause will say something like non-exclusive. And that's a good word. We like non-exclusive because what that means is that you can still use the content yourself and you can still license it to others. But then it goes most, you know, these really broad clauses go on to say irrevocable, perpetual, royalty free fully paid up worldwide license to distribute, display, blah, 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 and, and change. And so, you know, basically it to use on any sort of channel that we now use and others in the future. So someday when there's another medium to use for publication, you know, that you're giving away those rights as well. So those are really, really broad usage rights. And what creators do understand, I think, is when something has gone wrong. So when their content shows up somewhere that they didn't expect. Um, or that they didn't get paid for. Like an example, I have a, a colleague who did a hotel deal. So in exchange for a couple nights stay in a, a large you know, national hotel chain, 
she was to receive, you know, these, these give, do a reel and then a couple of stories or something on Instagram. And she did whatever that she was supposed to do. She had her hotel stay. She provided the brand with a copy of the video and copy of the photos. And then she saw um, a couple weeks later that that brand had run a paid ad, a sponsored post, use, not a sponsored post for her post, but an actual separate paid ad using her video. She had no idea that she gave up this right. She went back to the brand and said, hey, um, you didn't pay me for this. And, uh, you know, I want to get paid. And the brand said, sorry, uh, we did acquire this right. Here's the language in your agreement. And, you know, you're like, there was no recourse. The, the, certainly the, the influencer wasn't going to go and, you know, sue the brand because she had given up that right unknowingly. Um, yeah, and, and that happens up- all the time. Right. You bring up a great point, too, that oftentimes we're as content creators, we are making deals with big companies that have lawyers and legal teams. And mm-hmm. we're just us. We're the face yeah. in front of the camera. We're the person behind the camera. We're the legal team. We're the marketing team. We're doing yeah. everything. <laughs> we're it. Yeah. Yeah, so how it's it's really um, you know like David and Goliath here, and so what can we do on our side to um, to negotiate a little bit? Like, can we ask for the usage rights to be different, or what are some other areas where we can negotiate to make these contracts more profitable for us? Well, yeah, there there's so much opportunity. It, 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 this is one of the reasons why I decided to write a book about it, which is coming out um, sometime in January is because I wanted to empower creators to understand these terms better, the legal terminology. I wanted them to understand negotiating skills better and not feel that David and Goliath that you you referenced, which is completely the way most brand deals are. And you're right. I mean, influencers, creators don't have a legal background. They don't have, they're not going to hire a lawyer to look at every um, influencer platform that they're on or every influencer agreement that they get. So that, you know, a lot of people think that what they're giving the brand is organic use and organic use really truly just means in its purest form, it means not getting, you know, the brand gets your content. Um, maybe you posted something organically and you tag the brand and they share it without paying you. That's what organic use really means. But most creators and brands refer to organic use as um, when you think the brand is just going to use your content on their social media, meaning they're going to repost your you know, you do a reel, they share it. And even if they tag you, so that's what most people think. But when they're using paid, when they're giving away paid rights or selling paid, paid social media advertising rights, that can be very broad things like sponsored ads and post um, digital print media, traditional media, like television, radio, magazines, billboards, broadcast, you know, anything, any broadcast channels, even the side of a bus. I mean, people, I know someone who ended up on the side of a bus when they entered a contest in the pet industry and all of a sudden their dog was on a bus. Um, you know, that was pretty unexpected. Um, a brand can use those paid rights in email and text marketing, um, product placement or display ads in stores. So your question, you know, what can creators do is when you have an influencer agreement or platform and you don't know what all that terminology means, ask the brand, where will you use my content? How, how will you use my content? Maybe you don't want to be on the side of a bus and you want to exclude that from the ad um, or from, from the brand's right to use it. Maybe you want to limit those rights to be you know, only you know, not perpetual, but 90 days or 60 days or something. 
So really asking the brand and not being afraid to go back to them and say, what are you going to do with my content? How long are you going to use it? Yeah. And I have pushed back on this many, many times because I think the default is to put in perpetuity uh, under usage rights. And it must just be some boilerplate thing that all these people are using. Um, or they just want to ask for as much as they can and, and see what you say back. And um, and a lot of people don't say anything back because they don't know that they can. Um, and so oh, and they're afraid to be. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, oftentimes I will, I will say, are you really planning on using my, uh, my photos and my videos a hundred years from now? Um, if not, can we change it to 90 days or six months yeah. or whatever? Yeah, that's a great point. The brand isn't planning to use your image for the next hundred years, unless you're the Gerber baby. And even that, that has changed. Like, you know, there's new Gerber babies every year. I mean, there's very, very little opportunity a brand will actually want to take advantage of to use your content forever. So the perpetual really should be almost always attempt to limit that because honestly, the brand doesn't need it and they're not going to pay you for it. They don't want to pay you for it unless you're, you know, a huge celebrity that might be that that's different. But um, for the average you know, creator, that's not necessary for the brand to have those rights. Right. I want to ask you about another um, area of contracts for influencer agreements, which is exclusivity. Um, and, and this is sort mm -hmm. of tied together, I think, too, because it can be, um, you know, a time frame. So, um, yeah. you know, some brands want exclusivity across categories or across competing things, or they'll say you can't, you know, do the same work for any other treat companies. What what does that mean um, and how should that be approached? Well, that's a great question because a lot one of the biggest problems with the exclusivity clauses is, first of all, the length of it, meaning it could be for a year, which could really, really limit a creator's opportunity to work with other brands um, and that it's not clear on what the competitors, who the competitors are, because let's say a brand um, is producing dog supplements. You know, that's one of their one of their uh, products that, that the creator is working with them on. But they also have other products that are similar. I mean, maybe they're lotions or maybe they're shampoos or other, you know, care products for dogs. And they throw an exclusivity clause in there that says you can't work with any competitors, but they don't define what they mean by competitors. So what I encourage um, creators to do is to ask the brand, who are your competitors? Who do you consider? Tell me who your competitors put it in the agreement, put it in, uh, you know, attach an addendum to it just so that I know. And also to try to make sure that you don't let it go for too long. I, I recently had a, a creator, a large creator ask me about this, and she was so thankful that she pulled back, pushed back to the brand and said uh, 30 days on an exclusivity clause because she would have missed an opportunity, which was much more profitable. A bigger brand deal came along she would not have been able to work on if she had that exclusivity clause in place. So know who the competitors are and how long it's going to be. Yeah. And I, um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and I have some brands that I, um, you know, will agree to exclusivity for the terms of the contract. But sometimes those contracts are a year and sometimes they get renewed each year. So, you know, mm -hmm. I have over, you know, the many years I've been doing this, um, have worked with some different brands that I had exclusivity with, which was fine, but they expand their product catalog all the time. Mm 
So then it means that, well, now all of a sudden you can't do like shampoo because they made a shampoo or you can't, Mm -hmm. you can't do, um, maybe they came out with like a a training, a treat training pouch to go with their treats or something. Um, And so you can kind of get stuck with that too. It's, you, you really do have to read the fine print all the time. Right. Yeah. And, th- and that's such a great example because what you would want, want to do it. And, and I would ask the brand to renegotiate that portion of the contract and say, of course, I'm not giving you legal advice because I can't do that. You're not my client, but for information purposes only, I, if it were me, I would go back to the brand and say, not only let's define who your competitors are, but let's define the product because you and I have a deal about treats. We don't have a deal about shampoo and treat pouches and chewy sticks and whatever, you know, all these other things. So we're just talking little tiny treats, like really get, you know, get granular and really define that product that you are working with them on. Right. Is it baked treats? Is it freeze dried raw treats? Is it soft chew right. treats? What is it? Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and get them to to. And if they want the exclusivity clause to be very broad, that's fine. And I always say to people, don't don't be afraid of exclusivity clause. Just get paid for it. So if they want to say, no, Tori, we love working with you and Lucy and Bert so much that we're willing to pay you another X dollars per, per month over our contract term because we know that you're worth it and your content is so good and all that. Yes. It's all about negotiation. It doesn't have to be – when you see these scary terms, it's not like, well, I'm not doing this. Cancel it. Throw it out right. the door. Um, it's just about kind of coming to a compromise. Yes. That is the essence of negotiation is both sides are giving up something. So you might be giving up uh, some of the time period. You might be extending the exclusivity clause a little longer or extending usage rights a little more but you're getting paid more for it. So the brand is giving you more money, you're giving up some rights. And you know, that's the essence of negotiation. It's no, nobody wins 100%. It's not a negotiation. If you win at all. That's a bulldoze. Um, okay. So another, I want to keep talking about how to make more money. (laughs) So another, another thing, um, and I guess this could make you more money or just kind of give you better control of your money is payment terms in your contracts. So it's very common, um, to do all the work up front, submit your work and then not get paid for 90 days. Mm -hmm. Is there a better way? Well, yeah, that's the type of thing that you want. It's a type of clause you want to look at in both on an influencer platform or with specific influencer agreements or brand deal contracts, whatever they're called. It's kind of all the same thing is that you want to know exactly what those payment terms are. And that's absolutely something you can push back on. You can ask for a shorter window. Some brands will say no. Um, and then you have to weigh whether or not it's worth it to wait 90 days to get X. You know, Maybe they pay a little more because you have to wait for it. Or you ask for 50% of the payment up front so that you're not doing all the work. You know, perhaps you're buying certain props or you're going to a certain location to film, whatever. That might, you know, that's costing you more than just your time. It's costing you actually out of pocket. So ask for those up front. Yeah, that's that's great advice. Um, now, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to pack a lot into this interview, but I want to um, share all of your expertise as much as we can because I know there's so many questions out there. Um, so jumping jumping around a little bit away from contracts um, and talking a little bit more about, you know, business 
structures. Um, at what point does an influencer or a creator need to think about forming an LLC or do they even need to ever think about that? Um, what, what are some of those things that, um, that we might have to think about as we grow? Well, there's never, um, it's never too early to try to protect your personal assets. And what I mean by that is having a limited liability company or a corporation in place to protect your personal assets is always a good idea as far as I am concerned as a lawyer. And what that what limited liability means is let's say you um, you default on the contract or you violate the FTC guidelines and the brand gets sued and they turn around and, and sue you or bring you into that that lawsuit um, as what we call third party and then you get blamed for what went wrong. So if that contract is in your personal name, then you are at risk, your bank account's at risk, your home is at risk, any assets that you own personally are at risk. Whereas if the contract was in the name of the LLC, and this is not just for influencers, this is for any business owner. If you have a contract in the name of your LLC, then, and there's a dispute about the contract, then you're only risking what the what the contract what is inside the LLC. So the LLC's assets that's typically in just the LLC's bank account. Or if you're a mom and pop business or a retail store, you, know, you might own the building. So there's some risk, and that's why people will have more than one LLC with their real estate in one LLC and their um, operating company in the other one. But just for simplicity purposes, for um, for creators having an LLC in place it cannot hurt. It, it is always a way to protect you. And you want to make sure that the contracts that you enter into with brands are in the name of your LLC and not in your personal name. And how about if you have like a business license, like my business is registered with the state. Um, so using my business name on contracts, does that give me any protection? Well, just using the business name um, if it's a if it's a registered entity, meaning like a, a like an LLC or something, so having that name on the contract, yes, that LLC is in the party to the contract and not Tory Mystic personally, but you know Tory Mystic LLC or whatever your LLC is. So where where or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that mm -hmm. LLC is the party to to the contract. So if there's a lawsuit, where where wag repeat LLC is going to get sued, not Tory Mystic. Okay, so this now, is there really are exceptions. Sorry. I was going to say, this is very good for, for people listening because I think this is this is advice that we don't often hear when it comes to influencer and, and, the, and the content creator um, industry, you know, um, the marketplace, if you will. Um, we're always getting tips on like how to create better videos and better content, but all this legal stuff is what's going to help your business stick around Protect for you. a long time. Yeah. Yeah, because what you're risking if you have a limited liability structure in place is just what the business owns. So if you have, you know, $8,000 that you just got paid on a brand deal in your bank account, but you don't have anything else, then you're good. You know, there are exceptions to limited liability. So if you do stupid things or criminal things, I always say, you know, stupid criminal things like <laughs> you don't pay your taxes or you don't pay your employees or you commit fraud. Those things aren't covered by limited liability. So if you don't pay the taxes, the IRS is still going to come and see you or call you or send you 8,000 letters, and you're you're personally going to be on the hook for that. So there, it's not an absolute, but it's a business you know, protection for both creators and entrepreneurs. 
Yeah. Um, well, Kara, is there any other advice or any other information um, and expertise that you'd like to share with people today about, you know, when it comes to making more money as a creator or protecting your money as a creator? Well, protecting it as a creator is, um, you know, s- responsible business practices like not leaving all your money inside the LLC. So paying yourself and working with an accountant to make sure you're paying your income taxes, because a lot of creators are like, oh, my God, I just made $10,000 on a brand deal. And then they get a 1099, which is a tax reporting um, IRS form that they that the brand will file. That's why they want when 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 you enter into a brand deal if it's over a certain amount, a brand will ask you for what's called a W-9, which is an IRS form that you're signing saying, this is my tax ID number. Um, So you're giving the brand that information and they will report the income to the IRS. So come next April, you are going to owe income tax on that. And brands, you know, small creators or large creators, everybody needs to be really careful about that um, because some creators have made, especially back in the Reels bonus days, I know creators who made, you know, over $50,000 from Meta, from Facebook, was then just Facebook for their reels. And, um, you know, then they get a 1099 in January saying you, you have to report this income and they have hopefully set aside enough to pay the taxes on it. Yeah, that that brings us to a great point, which is um, our February theme in Wear Wag Repeat Society. We're going to be working on a profit first accounting system. That's like the mm-hmm. accounting system that I use where uh, yeah. you set up these different bank accounts and every single month you put in money for taxes, for operating expenses, mm-hmm. for profit and for paying yourself um, so that everything mm-hmm. is allocated and you have that money when you need it come tax time. Yeah. Yep. That's, and you know, planning like that is just such a great service to your members. Like that is just a huge thing that people are not talking about. Like you don't see people talking about that on social media enough, unless you really follow a lot of, you know, financial planners or tax people and most influencers don't care about that. So they, no, not it's not the it. sexy, exciting topic to talk about. It's so not sexy. It. No, no, <laughs> it's not. It's not. And you know, there's a couple of other negotiating things that I, I wish people would not be afraid to, especially creators who are new to to working with brands, is don't be afraid to ask for more money. And you know, don't give your rates up front because once you give, let's say you're, you know, you want to charge, you hope to get between fifteen hundred and three thousand dollars on this brand deal. The minute you say fifteen hundred to three thousand dollars, you will never get more than three thousand dollars because that was a cap, and you just boxed yourself into that. Even maybe the brands. Um, budget for the campaign was $5,000. You just left $2,000 on the table by giving them your range before you had to. Yes. I I recently, just a quick story, and this is not, wasn't an influencer thing, but I was contacted to do some, you know, expert consulting, like a market research call. Mm-hmm. And um, they'd asked me, you know, what's your rate for a one hour market research call. And I said $179 because that's what I charge for one-on-one strategy calls for a 45-minute strategy call. And he came back to me and said, well, our budget's 500 so we'll just give you 500 <laughs> which was very generous and very kind of this sweet yeah. man. But um, that's not usually the case. People will just go with the low ball yeah. offer that you threw out there. Right. Absolutely. And you, it's hard to, you know, just the, the lesson in that is you, it's okay to price your services differently for different purposes. 
Yes, 45 minutes doesn't have to be the same price regardless of what you're doing. Um, you know, yes, even even absolutely. if it is in my eyes it was both kind of providing my expertise, but obviously this company had a had a big budget which is different than sort of the solopreneurs that I'm helping on coaching right. calls. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you really can charge a different price and that that's a great lesson to have learned. I'm glad that it worked out well for you yeah, because it, it may, you're right. It may not have. <laughs> and, you know, another thing people, people are afraid or not, not really working towards as creators is getting those long-term deals with, you know, when they're making a pitch, getting to, you know, it's great to get your foot in the door, but to, to get a, a brand deal that lasts over, like you were talking about before, that might last over six months or a year that you are getting the reliable income each month. You're, you don't have to pitch six other brands, be, you know, because you already have this amount in place and you know what you're getting. And oftentimes, and I'd be interested to hear if this is your experience. Once the brand gets comfortable with you as a creator, they're much less likely to worry about the quality and oversee overseeing your content production very much. Yes, right. Yeah, it, less micromanaging, and they're more likely to come back to you in the future too um, when when future campaigns come up. Yeah, yep. It's really a, it's a win win for for both. It saves both the brand and the creator time. It it saves them both money because they're not spending time vetting other creators. So it really is something that I think more creators should work towards is getting longer term repeat deals. Yeah, I, that's great advice. Um, so Kara, we're out of time for this episode, but you have a new book coming out this month. And um, tell us about, tell us where people can go to find your website and find that book when it does come out. Yeah, thanks. Um, my website is karaconwaylove.com and you can find me on Instagram, TikTok and LinkedIn and whatever other socials. Same thing, karaconwaylove.com. And I will have um, links in my Instagram bio for the book when it comes out later in January. And I think it's really going to help a lot of um, creators, whether they're really experienced or not so much at all, really sort through the whole process of you know what, what their role is as a creator, how they can get paid more. So I talk a lot about negotiation strategies and I'm breaking down a lot of this legal stuff. So, you know, with actual, here's a clause from an influencer agreement and here's what it means and here's what you should ask for. So the mist I'm trying to really demystify the process and help creators, you know, really empower them to make more money. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to read it and share it. And, you know, everyone I know wants to make more money. So I think it's a great yeah, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, especially for, for people who are less experienced. So it'll be great for, for everyone. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Kara. Thanks for your expertise and for um, sharing your time with us here today. Great. I appreciate it, Tori. Thanks for the opportunity. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode. Send me a note on Instagram at wearwagrepeat or find even more women petpreneurs to connect with in our private Facebook group called Wear Wag Repeat Labs. If you want to dig into more episodes, resources to grow your business, or find a link to something we discussed, it is all right there for you at wearwagrepeat.com. I'll see you back here next Wednesday for a fresh conversation.